Hi, welcome to Season 2, Episode 25 of the Pictures Out There podcast series with Lee Stewart and Dave Fogelman. Today's episode is the second in a two-part mini-series, Creating and Managing the Roadmap for Your Group or Organization's Best Life. Let's explore some more. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Well, thank you, Candy, for that kind introduction. This is Lee. And this is Dave. And today's topic is creating and managing the roadmap for your group or organization's best life, part two of two. Yeah, and Lee and I just wanted to have a little chat before we got into the other topics that we have for today and talk about last week a little bit. So in our last podcast on this topic, we talked about using pictures in organizations and groups and teams to get at a new vision, a new future, right? And a lot of times organizations use conventional strategic planning, mission and value exercises to get at a new future. And those are all good things, right? And Dave and I have been involved in many, many, many dozens of those enterprises. Yeah. They absolutely have value and worth. We are not advocating that you should just forget the value that those may provide. What we are suggesting, however, and what we are advocating is that articulating a picture for your group or organization is clearer, it's simpler, and we believe will generate a better result because it's clear and everybody can follow in line with it. And in addition, as we described in our last podcast, using ideals to describe the culture that you want to have in your group or organization is simpler. It's clearer. Mm -hmm. It's better. And so with everything that we described in the last podcast, what we would say is there is no risk. There's no risk to trying pictures. It may feel very, very different to you. Probably It may be hard to leave the security and safety of strategy, mission, values, conventional practices. And we are not saying that your experience hasn't found value in those. Ours has Mm -hmm. at times. We're saying there is, we think, a simpler, better way that's going to impact your group or organization over the long haul. And we're saying what we've described with pictures, with ideals for culture, and using those then to set up operations is a better way to go. Yes. So we're not asking you to dive off a cliff. No. We're not asking you (laughs) to jump into shark-infested waters. We're inviting you into the heated pool. Exactly. We're inviting, and there's a hot tub. It's very comfortable. Over on the side. It's very safe. It's comfortable. It's simple. It's easy. You will enjoy it. The other people in your team or organization are really going to enjoy it. Absolutely. The notion of sharing power, of people having a chance to grow, and the impact of then having all that ideation mm-hmm. that flows back into the group, you make better choices, you make better decisions, and you then have a much clearer path and a better path toward a clear picture of your future. Okay? So please hear that in everything that we said in the last podcast and as we talk through things today. So today, we're going to chat about three other important and interesting topics that we think are important related to groups and organizations in the context of pictures out there. So the first is equality. The second is guiding principles. And the third is change. So first, let's talk some more about equality, Lee. We've previously talked about some caste systems. We've talked about gender bias, racial bias, wealth bias. Today, let's also talk about age bias. Ah. So age, as a standalone data point, age tells us really nothing about a person's perspectives. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, it really doesn't. We can make assumptions, 
that a 67-year-old man will believe and think and behave in a certain way, and that's nonsense. So I can't look at somebody and kind of see that they're in their 20s and make a bunch of assumptions, you and cannot I can't look that. at somebody that's in their 60s and you'll, make a you'll bunch You'll be of... erroneous at least half the time. Oh, goodness. Okay. okay. So, so much for that shortcut. Yeah, there's no shortcut to be had there. So age tells us nothing about a person's insights, their intelligence, their gifts, their experiences. We don't know someone until we really know them, and that's no matter what their age may be. So this is yet another form where we can have discrimination or bias and take shortcuts that not only get us nowhere, but take us down the wrong path in terms of understanding someone. Age bias and age discrimination happens to every age group. Mm-hmm. i going to say that again, every, every age, age group. group. Okay, but the form of it can vary significantly. Age bias and age discrimination hurt everyone at individual group and societal levels. So we always need to take the time to hear someone's history and their story and their perspectives, no matter what their age is, in order to clearly understand who they uniquely are. Lee, I think I would just invite our audience, just as we have, to think through all of the situations Mm -hmm. that you've had in your life where you saw someone, ascribed certain things to them based on the perception of what the age group was that they were in, Mm -hmm. and then miracle of miracles, you were wrong. Yes. You were right. wrong about them. Right. You know, and it cuts every different way. Somebody's young and you make assumptions about what that means and you're wrong and old, etc. Right. I didn't invent this question that I'm about to share with you, but I got it somewhere and I love it. I ask people of all ages when we're discussing a topic, a situation, a challenge, well, what's your life experience around this? And for me, that's kind of a golden question because someone who might be 50 years old, okay, they've got considerable life experience they can speak to. Someone who might be 18-year-old, well, guess what? They have life experience that they can speak on that topic as well, and it's probably going to have a different flavor and texture from the older person. So good question. What's your life experience on this? In terms of making assumptions about age, taking us down an erroneous path with someone, I think that's gotten even more extreme in your and my lifetime because of the variety of experience that's now open to people of every age in the world we live in. Right. And so the notion that you're going to jump to assumptions about what somebody's experience is because of how they look age-wise or something, it's it's crazy. You're right. You're probably more likely to be wrong today than ever before. Yes. So what about having equitable and fair pay? That's another topic. Well, our opinion is that we need it for everyone, and that goes for gender, that goes for race and ethnicity, for age, across the board. So as an example, there are companies who have taken the, quote, equal pay pledge, end quote. We believe having true equality within a group or an organization provides a plethora of advantages. Yeah, Lee, one of the things that's always been kind of interesting to me in corporate life has been the inequitable pay that happens by gender and by race and ethnicity. By age is always an interesting one to me. Two people are in the same job. Mm -hmm. They have the same job expectations. Mm -hmm. They are different ages. Why would you pay someone different or have an expectation that the pay they receive should be different because of their age. Yeah. And in many instances, organizations default to, well, Bill's been in the job for 20 years and John's been in the job for eight years. Therefore, Bill deserves more compensation. And they have the same job. Same job, same performance. (laughs) Same performance expectations. 
that's just always been a mystery to me, and I think it's something that we have to revisit. Yeah. Yeah. So next, let's talk about the use and importance of our second topic, guiding principles. As an example of their utility at a project level, guiding principles are really helpful in establishing project-level ideals and culture, principles for decision-making, and key approaches to operations. They simplify things, Mm -hmm. and they make it to where things can happen quicker because you refer to those guiding principles. Mm -hmm. So we're going to illustrate this. Here are some guiding principles that could form an overall foundation for the opportunities that we've identified in pictures out there and in these podcasts as we create our pictures and then share our perspectives and ideals. Some examples. We're going to treat each other with courtesy and respect, as you would expect to be treated. That's a good guiding principle. Another might be, always come prepared to listen, to learn, and to share. Another guiding principle might be, come to the sharing with boundless hope, humility, and optimism. How about a principle that states, do no harm to others? How about, be in communities who do no harm to others? How about believe that love conquers all, ultimately? How about thinking as a global citizen? How about being inclusive and accepting differences in other people that cause no harm to you? How about appreciate the variety of gifts and talents that each person has and other ways that demonstrate that everyone has worth and value? Our point is just you can come up with a list like this, we're illustrating it, and it allows the group to go back and check how they're doing in relation to those guiding principles. Or if an issue comes up where somebody feels like we've gone out of bounds, then we can bring ourselves back into a good path here by referring to those guiding principles. Yes, excellent. I think of guiding principles as a touchstone. Yep. So we're working together and we're going down a path and at some point we hit a bump. And to clearly articulate your principles, you can go back and say, hey, remember when we started this? Yep. We stated that we would do X, Y, and Z. I think we just got off the track We said here. this was how we were going to do it. Yeah, and we're not doing it. Doesn't feel like we're doing it so that way. So let's understand why we went off the track. Yeah. Yeah. So for leaders in any form or fabric, the concept of guiding principles is critically important. Guiding principles for a project, a program, or a singular effort help simplify complex questions and issues. So, using the simple to complex and back to simple in accordance with guiding principles helps groups and organizations move forward. Guiding principles help groups or organizations stay true to their picture as they work through the what and the how of projects, programs, and other efforts. It also simplifies and improves decision-making in an ever more complex and accelerating world. So just as we just discussed, use guiding principles as a touchstone. And we both had a lot of experience with projects, Lee, you probably more than me, bringing a team together quickly to accomplish something Mm -hmm. quickly, having the tool of guiding principles allows you to really accelerate your work. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So finally, topic three today, let's talk about change. Lee and I just love this one. We keep coming back to it. (laughs) Groups and organizations constantly deal with change because it is always taking place, whether that's recognized or not. And we need to have pictures to ensure we're driving to our desired changes and our desired future. I have a very good consulting friend who used to always ask the question, is the platform burning? Imagine a group that is on a platform out in the middle of water, open Mm -hmm. water, Mm -hmm. and until that platform is burning, they're not going to jump off into the water. Right. They're going to be resistant to change. And so there's always that need to make sure that there is a compelling enough requirement for change to 
get people to change sometimes, yep. even though we would say change is still happening. It's still happening. <laughs> it's still happening, whether <laughs> you recognize it or not. Yeah. But people lots of times like to try to set that aside. So change that we drive and initiate or change that is thrust upon us, what's going to be our choice? Yeah, right. Well, hopefully it's change we drive. Exactly. So when do we need to implement a huge change versus a smaller or an incremental change? Ah. Well, what will move us best toward our picture? Is that going to require some magnificent, significant, huge change? Or can we get there making a series of smaller changes? God, that just simplified yeah, things. It did. <laughs> so determining that is often one part logic and reasoning. And a lot of times it's another part gut or instinct. And typically it occurs in that order. The concept of stages is something that we believe is important as we talk about considering the changes that we might drive. How do we describe the stage our group is in today or the way to our picture? And, and stage really gets lots of times into that question of incremental versus a big stage change. A leap forward. A leap forward. And so it's very important for us to always think through when we need to just make incremental changes because we're still in a stage mm -hmm. versus a more massive change that might require us to, to take a leap forward, as you said, and really go to a new stage yes. toward our picture. And to that end, when do we need to move to a new stage, we might ask, right? So again, it helps to use logic and reasoning and our instincts, again, usually occurs in that order. Assessing where we are on the group's journey in relation to our picture can help us make good choices and decisions about what our efforts should focus on. An example, if we assess that we're in kind of a, just a beginning preliminary stage, everyone's got a clear idea of what the picture represents, but we really haven't figured out the operations of it yet. The how, how are we going to get there? Well, that's probably an assessment that would have us conclude, let's take a couple of small steps first. Let's achieve some success. Let's build some momentum. A couple of small steps might get you to that third step in this example, which is a giant leap forward. So this same consulting friend of mine also has a phrase he uses, time kills all deals. And what he means by that is at the time that we have a clear change that needs to happen in front of us, to the degree that time goes by without us starting that journey, then we come up with all the excuses and reasons not to go do the change. Right. And so he was saying that as a consultant's phrase of yes. you know, going to lose business. Yes. Hurry up and make it. But it really relates to this whole notion of we are in some ways naturally change resistant. We are. And so we will fight the fact that we have to go change or have to go take action sometimes. And so it's just important for us to know that instinct in ourselves and know that we have to act. So change is constant. It cannot be resisted because everything is changing. Everything is changing. Our environment, our bodies on a day-to-day -day basis, our minds, our experiences. Everything changes from day-to-day, hour-to-hour, moment-to-moment. We're not typically aware of it, but sometimes it's really useful to call it out. Change cycles that we experience are infinite and they're ongoing. They either happen through our proactive actions, they happen through our reactions, or sometimes just through our passivity, like I'm just going to sit here and not change. Well, guess what? Change is being done unto you, okay? Isn't that amazing? Everything in our lives is constantly changing and evolving. If you have pictures that describe a desired future that's different from the present, it makes change much easier and more comfortable for us to deal with. Yeah, Lee, what an important point that is, that the fact that we're asking people to make change, but we know where we're going. Mm -hmm. Again, it's this notion of you're not asking me to jump off a cliff into unknown waters. 
I know where I'm going. Yes. And I'm bought in. Mm-hmm. I like it. And yeah, okay, we're going to have to change something because we're not there now. Mm-hmm. Something's got to change. Right. And, like, the, and the clarity of the picture actually brings some comfort in yes. that process. Yes, makes us more comfortable. Yeah. So that's because pictures make it clearer that change will inevitably happen. And the only open questions are what the change then will look like and whether our own actions and reactions will take us toward our desired future, mm. toward our picture, or perhaps not. Mm. So, as we speak to our audience in the future... Hello, audience. Are there new or more advanced ways that you all, in the future, deal with change? We talked about change and change management being and, and self-change management being a topic in education at early ages in an earlier podcast. Yeah, we're hopeful that in the future, teaching change management, learning change management is embedded in your education systems. I wonder if there are some phrases that we just normally use with each other in regular conversation where we just kind of go, so what's changing for you these days? Yeah. What's changing? I, I wonder if our way of just interacting with each other is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you doing gets replaced with, yeah, what's changing what's, for you? Yeah. What's changed since the last time we met? Yeah, what's changing for you? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And sometimes it's, you know, the questions uh, I will sometimes ask somebody, you know, yeah, so what do you feel? I haven't seen you for a year. What have you learned? Right. You know, and that's a change question. Sometimes the reaction to that is, hmm, what? What? <laughs> uh, it's like, well, something's changed in your life. So in response to that change, I'm sure there's you know some things you've learned. Yeah. I'm curious about it. So our hope and our belief and our conviction that is in the future, you've embedded the idea of navigating through change yeah. effectively. You've embedded that in your systems. It's breathing. It's just like breathing. I had a, uh, a wonderful friend of mine that I used to work with uh, when I worked in a company. And when things were really challenging and there was stress and nervousness and we were trying to do 10 things and had capacity to do five... She would say, yep, just riding the waves. Riding the just waves. riding the waves. Yep. And it was a, a wonderful phrase that she would use to basically say, through all of the stuff, all of the noise, stay chilly. Yeah. And kind of go with things, go with the flow of things. And it, it's made me think of, you know, maybe there's a, a companion phrase to that and that one of our life objectives should not be just to ride the waves, but be one with the waves. And that we can smooth out the waves in our life or what feel like those bumps and hurdles by being one with them, by moving with them, as opposed to just kind of staying away from them or on top. So I thought. I think that's a vivid picture in its own right. Yeah. Be one with the waves. Yeah. If you were to carry that into your workplace where change is inevitable and ongoing, sometimes it's significant, other times it's more incremental. Whatever the situation is, say, you know what, today I'm just going to be one with the waves. I think there's, there's a certain solace that comes with that. So a fulfilled life is inevitably uncomfortable sometimes or frequently or maybe all of the time. Okay. Can we learn to be satisfied with being uncomfortable when we should be? Living in the new, even living in the scary. Always living in a stretch zone with keeping a fulfilled life in mind. When is it best to be comfortable? Well, when we've had enough to eat, when we have adequate shelter, when we have access to health care. Those aren't things where it's wonderful to be uncomfortable, where we wouldn't want anybody to be uncomfortable. Exactly. We want them to have enough to eat and yeah. shelter, et cetera, right? Yeah. Yes. So then when is it best to be uncomfortable? Ah. Well, how about following your passions? How about widening rather than narrowing? What about the adoption of new skills, the acquisition of new knowledge? We think there, it's good to be uncomfortable. Those things I ought to be seeking to be uncomfortable? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So we also think, we, we like the phrase calm urgency. We think this phrase is a key component of the best group and organizational cultures, change efforts, and operations that we've seen. And here's why. People want to work on important things that matter, that need to be urgently done. Seems like a simple thing to say, but we really ought to think about this. People really want to work on things that matter. Yes. Important things. And when people see that they are urgent, not just to create stress for stress, but they see there's urgency because it'll make a difference with the work that, it, that they're doing, it makes them feel valued and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Okay? So that's the urgency piece of it. But people think most clearly and creatively and perform best in a calm environment. The two concepts, calm and urgency, are often seen as opposites or divergent. Yeah, how do you whatever. reconcile those? Wow. They are actually complementary toward optimizing a group or organization's efforts, and they can very happily coexist. So as leaders or members of a team or group, the ability to create an environment where there's urgency with the work we're doing, but it's happy urgency, it's calm urgency makes for a high-performing team. Yes, absolutely. There's a brilliant change strategist named John Cotter, and he wrote a book called Creating a Sense of Urgency. And when I first read that, I thought, is this about creating a sense of panic? <laughs> and no, it's not. It's absolutely calm urgency. People will behave in an urgent way to achieve an objective that has great value to them. If they believe that we're really making a significant difference here, people will line up for that. And they'll work in a very, very different way from the, oh, we have deadlines pressing upon us. That's panic. So what happens when we have this very clear looping all the way back around mm -hmm. to picture? Yes. And picture as mission vision, as what we're trying to go do. What happens when we're working on something where we have that clarity about what we're moving toward? Does that help us feel valued? Yeah. Does that help us feel like the work we're doing? Yes. Do we feel like it's moving in this simple, clear direction is making a difference? And it creates its own urgency. You got it. Yeah. So hopefully we've shown in these last two podcasts how impactful and powerful the application of the pictures out there concepts can be to any individual, organization, team, company, you name it. So we always like to close by asking you these questions. What are your pictures? What are your perspectives? What are your ideals and what is your influence to use? Thanks for joining us. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. As always, feel free to explore more about Pictures Out There at picturesoutthere.com and major social media sites. We hope you have the day of your dreams, the day of your pictures. <laughs>